Eating is something we do every day. Most people look forward to meals, whether we're eating by ourselves or we're eating with family or friends. What we eat is generally influenced by culture, where we live, and what foods are available and affordable. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. When we think of food, we may consider nutrition and whether we're getting the appropriate mix of protein, carbs, and fats. It's good to pay attention to nutrition, but few of us may think about the effect of the foods we choose to eat on the planet. Our current system of food production does daily and extensive damage to the earth by using vast amounts of water, increasing water and land pollution from pesticides and other chemicals, and by creating clouds of greenhouse gases, including some of the most damaging gases like methane and nitrous oxide from meat production. While the Earth's natural resources are being destroyed, the population is increasing, which raises an important question. How do we feed billions of people a nutritious diet while greatly reducing the effect of food production on the environment? Two years ago, a group of 35 distinguished scientists from all over the world called the EAT Lancet Commission reported on food, human health, and the planet Earth. My guest on the program today is Dr. Walter Willett, who was the co-chair of the EAT Lancet Commission. He is a professor of epidemiology and nutrition at Harvard University, where he has extensively studied the effect of diet on the occurrence of major diseases. Please note our recording contains some extraneous noises due to Dr. Willett's location. I began our conversation by asking him to tell us about the goal of the commission. Uh, uh, the basic goal, the charge to the commission was to identify a way by which we could feed by 2050 a planet that will have about 10 billion people, a diet that is both healthy and sustainable. Uh, we were not sure when we began if that was possible, but our ultimate conclusion was that, yes, we could feed about 10 billion people a diet that is healthy and sustainable. This would have huge environmental benefits and also individual health benefits but this will be a huge challenge to accomplish this. So uh, can you give us an idea of who was involved in the commission and what was the process you used to get to your conclusions? Yes, uh, this, con this commission was funded by a charity in the UK, the Wellcome Trust, and this allowed us to bring together 35 scientists from around the world that had expertise in a number of different areas, including nutrition, agricultural, agriculture, earth sciences, social sciences. Uh, we met several times and eventually were able to put all this information, this expertise together to arrive at conclusions. And so uh, you, you uh, dealt with both the environment and uh, dietary aspects. So uh, can you, uh, let's start with the environment. Can you explain what part of climate change we can fairly attribute to our uh, current food production system? There have been a number of estimates about the contribution of uh, agriculture to various aspects of the environment. Perhaps most urgent is 
climate change and greenhouse gas emissions. And there it's been estimated that globally about 20 to 30 percent of greenhouse gas emissions come from the agricultural sector. And then uh, just concerning the environment, there are several specific areas. So uh, one vital resource, of course, is fresh water. Um, how does the food production system, our current system, affect uh, water use? Uh, for water use, the agricultural sector is by far the greatest use, uh, roughly 80 percent. Uh, and land use, of course, it's by far the uh, greatest uh, user. Agriculture production is the greatest uh, use of land, uh, uh, especially if we count uh, grazing areas as well as arable land. The vast majority of uh, usable earth surfaces uh, related to agriculture. Uh, in terms of uh, pollution from fertilizer, obviously that is mostly coming from agricultural uh, production. And in terms of extinction, the, the majority is related to agricultural production, uh, primarily because we are uh, cutting down forests, plowing up prairies, really uh, uh, reducing uh, biodiversity. And then also the use of insecticides and other agricultural chemicals is having a, a major effect on biodiversity, which is critical. Maintaining biodiversity is critical for uh, human health in the long run. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm speaking with Dr. Walter Willett, who is co-chair of the EAT Lancet Commission on Food, Planet, and Health. Do you know how much of our land is used in the U.S. is used uh, for food for people and how much for um, animals that people will eat? It's perhaps most helpful to look at what would be called arable land. Uh, and there the numbers are really uh, troublesome. When we look at uh, grain production, for example, which takes up a lot of our land use, uh, about 45% of that is uh, of the grain produced in the United States uh, is used for feeding animals. About 35% goes to uh, per, uh, conversion to ethanol to drive vehicles that are mm -hmm. often much larger than they need to be. And we make probably more trips than we need to take. Uh, about 15% is used for what's called manufacturing. That's much of that is um, production of high fructose corn syrup, which obviously doesn't have health benefits. And only about 10% of the grain produced in the United States is actually uh, consumed by people. Wow. Uh, so there's potentially, if we really didn't feed grain to uh, animals and uh, we uh, drove smaller vehicles or converted to electricity, uh, we could dramatically reduce the land use in the United States. Now, some of that we would want to probably use for export, but there's huge potential for making better use of our land that would have improvements uh, for human health as well as planetary health. Right. Um, and then uh, another uh, very important issue is the greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and I know that uh, meat production contributes a lot to that. Can you talk about that and uh, any other part of the agricultural system that contributes? Well, uh, yes, I, the greenhouse gas emissions are particularly urgent because I think there was some denial, uh, but it's become very hard to deny that uh, climate change is not a problem. It's not a Chinese hoax as we were told by our past president. Uh, right. And unfortunately, uh, the 
changes are not linear, they're accelerating. And we're reaching tipping points where, uh, for example, the Arctic Ocean is thawing out and the tundra's uh, permafrost is thawing. And that itself releases a lot of methane, which further increases the temperature, which accelerates more melting. Uh, and this is spinning around and around out of control. Uh, so this, there's particular urgency here because some of this, much of this may not be reversible or stoppable even. Uh, so uh, for uh, preserving uh, red meat, uh, cattle in particular is uh, the worst contributor and produces about 140 times more greenhouse gas per serving than, say, uh, a serving of uh, a plant-based protein source such as uh, soy or beans or nuts. Uh, but it, uh, in addition to red meat, uh, other animal source foods are also major contributors, uh, about uh, 30 to 40 times the amount of greenhouse gas emissions per serving for, say, dairy uh, pork production. Uh, poultry conduct, conduct uh, production and per serving is somewhat less, but still quite a bit above the greenhouse gas emissions, again, uh, if you compare it to healthy plant protein sources. Another uh, issue that was addressed by the commission was food loss and food waste. Um, did, did the commission have any recommendations? I understand that that is a huge problem. Um, can you sort of give us an idea of, of uh, how big an issue it is and what the commission uh, recommended? Yes, uh, th this uh, is a major issue uh, globally. It's thought that about 30% uh, of our food is lost or wasted. Uh, and there's not a simple single solution to that. In low-income countries, uh, most of it, most of this is loss uh, from production on the farm before it gets to the ultimate consumer, and that is very much related to poor transportation, uh, communications, uh, preservation mm -hmm. facilities. In the United States, well, we certainly have some losses uh, that way, but a bigger part comes from waste uh, that is on the consumer side of it. Uh, that and food services, a lot of food is uh, thrown out uh, in our homes. Uh, we waste more food. Uh, 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 we waste a very substantial part. Again, uh, overall, combining loss and waste, about uh, 30 to 40% in the United States. We are uh, much more wasteful than people in other countries. Uh, there's no simple solution. Food services, I know our own university at Harvard is paying a lot of attention to this. Uh, a lot of this is not uh, is cutting back on serving sizes, and uh, if people, some people need more calories and they need uh, larger amounts. But uh, just to get everybody, give everybody a large amount and uh, throw away the what remains is uh, inefficient. Uh, I think this does come down to the consumer level of first of all just being aware of this, uh, trying to be pay more attention to. Uh, uh, buying and using what we really need. Uh, some people have suggested the simple idea of before going shopping, do an inventory of what we have in the refrigerator and, and try to use that rather than uh, uh, going, uh, going shopping without realizing that you have things that could spoil and you may just be purchasing some more if you don't pay attention to what's already in the refrigerators. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm speaking with Dr. Walter Willett, co-chair of the EAT Lancet Commission on Food, Planet, and Health. Um, now, uh, food production obviously is very important, but so is the um, uh, human health and nutrition. 
And you came up with a recommended global diet that aims to provide a healthy diet for the world. Uh, but you started out by assessing the state of global health. Um, can you tell us how you did that? Uh, yes, we used a number of sources of information, uh, both on health and on environment. On health, we uh, first of all looked at disease rates around the world, and uh, probably the most visible issue is the obesity epidemic. And uh, that is happening in almost every country of the world. Japan is one of the few exceptions among a country that is high income and obesity rates have not really been increasing appreciably. But I think, um, as uh, you are probably aware, in the United States, obesity is an extraordinarily serious issue that uh, back in 1970, only about 10% of American adults were overweight. About 10% were obese. By uh, year 2000, about 30%. And now it's 42% of adult Americans are obese. And that number, that trend does not seem to be flattening out at all. It uh, continues to go up. Um, and we're now starting to pay the price of the obesity epidemic in terms of health. It doesn't happen right away. But that generation that became obese to a large extent uh, as uh, children and adolescents is now entering middle age, and we see reversals in the huge gains we had made. Made heart disease mortality had come down by about 80% in the United States since the 1960s, and but now in uh, younger younger middle aged adults, heart disease rates have stopped going down, and they're actually going back up <clears throat> again. Likewise, obesity related cancers, which had been going down uh, very consistently, have now, are now going up in uh, the generations that were born more recently and uh, uh, became over, overweight and obese earlier in life. So we uh, uh, see very disconcerting trends uh, in the United States. And then if we look around the world, in almost every country, diabetes rates are going up uh, dramatically. And diabetes is sort of the red flag in some ways, the canary in the mind. It's not uh, serious the first few years after someone develops diabetes, but after, as the time uh, goes on, rates of heart disease, cancers, a uh, number of um, uh, health outcomes, many health outcomes uh, go up. Uh, so we, again, in most countries, we're just seeing the early stages of the obesity epidemic and the health consequences of it. Now, obesity is driven not just by calories, but also the quality of diets is very important. And, uh, we used a metric uh, scale called the Alternative Healthy Eating Index to rate the diets, the quality of diets around the world. Uh, the top score is 100. Uh, most, uh, the average is about 50 or 55. The United States is there at about 50, 55. Uh, the healthiest countries only had a score of about 65. That would include Japan and some of the Mediterranean countries. So all countries have major room for improvement. Uh, and, but uh, uh, in the United States, we have uh, a huge room for improvement. Uh, uh, our food and vegetable consumption, uh, healthy plant protein consumption is low, and we're consuming much more uh, red meat, uh, starchy vegetables, uh, and, uh, and, and probably dairy products than we really need to be. Uh, uh, tell us about the diet that the commission developed. What, what was it? Uh, we 
first of all, decided to try to define a healthy diet because everybody agrees we should have healthy diets, but when it comes down to actually putting numbers on different food groups, uh, then um, that's not so simple. So we used many different kinds of evidence, including short-term randomized trials that looked at changing uh, levels of different aspects of diet, red meat or nuts or soy products, and looked at how that affects risk factors like blood pressure and uh, blood cholesterol levels. Then we also looked at long-term epidemiologic studies that have gone on for decades, uh, tracking what people eat and how that's related to uh, various health outcomes. And then there were a few randomized trials looking at health outcomes uh, themselves, but uh, very few such studies because they're so difficult to conduct. Ultimately, we came up with target numbers for about 14 food groups, uh, but basically it emphasized whole grains, but a lot of flexibility about the percentage of calories and fat and carbohydrate. If one has healthy fats and healthy carbohydrates, uh, there's no particular uh, precise number that we should aim for, a lot of flexibility there. We paid a lot of attention to the protein sources because they have much relevance to both health and uh, planetary health. It came down to, in a very simple way, uh, uh, one plus one uh, in, in terms of animal source foods that we targeted uh, uh, one serving of dairy a day uh, plus one serving of other animal source foods. Uh, that would be a combination of uh, fish about twice a week, poultry several times a week, uh, eggs several a week, and then red meat uh, about one serving per week. Uh, when we put that to test to see if it could be sustainable, uh, yes, it would fit within planetary boundaries. But if we allowed a little bit more meat or say went to two servings of dairy a day, uh, that would not stay within planetary boundaries for uh, for greenhouse gas emissions, for example. So uh, there's a lot of flexibility, but within uh, these quite modest limits. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm speaking with Dr. Walter Willett, co-chair of the EAT Lancet Commission. And we're talking about the diet that the commission came up with, the servings that are um, suggested. So you have this uh, this much of meat, this much of dairy, and so on. How much how much are these servings? Are they uh, things that most people would feel comfortable um, staying sure. within those limits? Right. Yes. This, we're not talking about 24-ounce steaks here when we're talking about right. <laughs> right. No. Uh, yeah. that. Right. Uh, the standard serving, we've used the uh, USDA, FDA standard serving sizes. Uh, for red meat, this would be about three to four ounces or about a hamburger per week. Uh, uh, and if you wanted to have uh, 12-ounce steaks, uh, you can have them. Uh, that would fit about once per month. Right. Uh, and interestingly, uh, this number of, if we combine red meat plus uh, poultry, uh, this comes out to be very similar to the traditional Mediterranean diet. So it, it may sound like it's, uh, right. you know, maybe unrealistic uh, to some Americans who are used to eating red meat every day. But th- these numbers are actually uh, very close to the traditional Mediterranean diet and also very close to traditional diets of many parts of the world. So uh, we uh, know they're possible. And the the Mediterranean diet itself has been studied intensively. And uh, we know it's uh, associated with very good health. In fact, uh, in the 60s, when uh, people were really eating the traditional Mediterranean diet, 
they have the longest life expectancy in the world. How do we convince people that um, basically a, a societal change in thinking about diet is is not just uh, you know something that would be nice to do, but is really essential for planetary health? Education awareness is an important uh, part, uh, and that can happen through lots of different media, but uh, schools obviously are for education, and that should be an important part of the educational experience. It should be happening in the healthcare system as well, and nutrition is hardly mentioned at all for even direct human health in, in health uh, in, in medical school. I went there, and it's not mentioned much at all, uh, and it's certainly rarely mentioned in practice either. So it's important that the health system become engaged here. Um, and then food services are very important. They obviously directly provide what people eat and having options that are uh, both healthy for individuals, healthy for the planet, and tasty and enjoyable is really critical. Uh, and then uh, at the higher uh, levels, we also need to deal with policies that price is a very important factor. Um, and some people have enough income that uh, they can sort of eat what they want, but many people are constrained uh, by price. So you really have to have policies that level the playing field. So if someone's on a very tight budget, they want to serve their family pasta, uh, that the price of whole grain pasta should not be more than the price of refined grain pasta, for example. In fact, we should reverse it so that the healthy and sustainable uh, foods are uh, even less costly. Right. And and is that a matter of, uh, I mean, obviously it is partly a matter of public policy and what the government does, because we have all these subsidies for uh, cattle producers and, you know, meat producers, basically. Uh, but we don't support, on the other end, the people who produce plant-based foods. Um, is is the, Does the commission have any recommendations there? And the subsidies we have are often very indirect. Uh, the direct subsidies are, are actually not very large, but in so many indirect ways, we are uh, basically subsidizing the production system that we have, which uh, is really hard to imagine how we could have a more dysfunctional system that's both destroying our planet and undermining human health. The price of water for irrigation is very low uh, and uh, doesn't... Uh, include the environmental cost. Usually uh, our, our um, production system uses a lot of fossil fuels, and that's directly and indirectly subsidized in many ways, including having to defend the price of oil by having military all around the world to control oil supplies. That's a subsidy for the system that we have. And also, it, the price doesn't incorporate the, all the, the, the cost, the um, Environmental consequences are not internalized into the cost that we pay at the pump uh, to fuel our car, for example. It doesn't um, include the price of uh, uh, due to adverse effects of climate change. Our price of uh, soda doesn't include the cost of the diabetes that uh, develops because of high soda consumption. So, in, um, the the true costs of our food, or the the, the, the current costs. Uh, do not really represent the true big picture cost of uh, foods that are very cheap 
I know that this is uh, the, the issue of uh, diet and especially meat is uh, something that most uh, people want to avoid. Um, I find that even the large environmental organizations, they talk about transportation and fuel and energy, but they never address this issue of animal agriculture. Um, do you find that you're facing any opposition based on your findings from <laughs> well, uh, it's sort of predictable, yes. Uh, <laughs> certainly the uh, beef industry in particular is runs a very major campaign at many levels to uh, basically continue high, high meat production in our, in our current system of meat production. And, and again, we're not saying that we should stop meat production. Uh, right. there, there is an allowance for that. So that uh, they push back on many, uh, on many ways. Uh, for example, they uh, fund academics to sometimes do research that uh, where you you can basically sort of rig the study conclusions by um, uh, design of the study. That, for example, they uh, they fund studies saying that the red meat has no adverse effects on risk factors because they compare red meat in the study design to um, the average American diet, which is uh, pretty horrendous. But if you compare red meat with uh, say nuts or soy or uh, legumes, other legumes, uh, then red meat does have adverse effects on cardiovascular risk factors. But the beef industry is not about to, f- to fund that kind of study. So that if you just look at the research, most of it is is basically rigged research. Uh, and then they uh, push back by uh, controlling Congress. And the beef industry has very outside influence. And they um, actually... Uh, got into a law in 2015 that the USDA could not even mention any environmental effects of diet in the dietary guidelines. Really? Uh, right. They, they basically, the dietary guidelines are censored. Uh, but human health is obviously dependent on planetary health. We, human health cannot exist without planetary health. We can't go on with business as usual, uh, and particularly if we care about uh, future generations. The track we're on will basically collapse human civilization. It it is that serious. If we project out to beyond 2100 and beyond, we we have to make some fundamental changes, and we need to make them soon as well. Check out the EAT Lancet Commission report in full. It's easy to find and available online. It has a lot of good information and shows the proposed healthy diet, so you can start serving and eating it right away. Please tell people you know about this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. Thank you.